We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a special edition of the Field of 68. Today, we are unveiling our 2023 NBA Mock Draft version 2.0 presented by our partners over at Athletic Greens. The NBA's early entry has come and gone. The European seasons are finally winding down, and it feels like right now, two weeks out from the 2023 NBA draft, we really finally have a feel for what the landscape of this entire draft class looks like. So today's mock is going to be a little bit of a collaborative effort from the team over at the field of 68. It's going to be a look at what we would do if we were the organizations in these situations making these exact picks. Remember, on Thursday, June 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern time, we will have a live first round mock draft with five experts, including Jeff Goodman, including myself, including the athletic Sam Vecini, including Matt Babcock, who has been an agent in the front office uh, member for a number of NBA organizations. We're going to break down every single pick in the first round. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it was one of our most entertaining and most viewed shows last season. So we're running it back. We're doing it again. And that brings us to today's mock draft 2.0. I'm going to be rolling through the guys that we would pick in each of these situations if we were these specific teams as decided on by the team at the field of 68. And it should come as no surprise to anyone that the first pick of this mock draft is going to be Victor Wembenyama, the seven foot four French unicorn that can comfortably be projected as one of the best prospects simply in the history of basketball at this point. Players with his size and his mobility just do not come around that often. And the combination of his shooting ability, his perimeter handle, and his isolation shot creation makes Big Vic one of the most fun, fascinating, and enjoyable prospects that I've ever scouted. Point blank, period. If there is a question with Wemby, it's the body type. Injuries are an unfortunate part of the game, and there are real concerns about whether or not this is a dude whose body can handle the rigors of NBA life. But he's already preparing for this. As his point guard, Devontae Jones, discussed in our prospect profile earlier this month, Victor has a trainer that he works with for hours every day before practices, after practices, before games, after games to strengthen his body and to help prevent injury while recognizing that at 19, he is still a kid that is growing into a seven foot four frame with an eight foot wingspan. There's a lot of things that can go wrong with a body that is that big, that long, and that young. So uh, it's good to see that he is starting to get ahead of the curve here. But look, 
Victor Wembanyama is Victor Wembanyama. He's going to be the number one pick in this draft. We all know it. So the draft truly starts with the second pick, where Charlotte has a decision to make between G League Ignite Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller from Alabama. And to me, I think that Scoot uh, is pretty much the clear answer here. He's the obvious one to me. I believe he's the highest upside player in this draft, not named Victor with Russell Westbrook and Derek Rose's uh, comparisons that are in his range of outcomes if the shooting never comes along. That's a big question. He's so powerful. He's so athletic. He's so good at operating out of ball screens. He's not just an explosive athlete either. He's one of these guys that's got some wiggle to his game. He can kind of step around screens and finish, uh, step around rim protectors and finish. I'm sorry. And he's a mid-range shooter that I would be willing to bet on him figuring out the three ball uh, once things are kind of all said and done. He's in the NBA for a little bit of time. I'm comparing him to D Rose and Russ for a reason. I think that he could end up being an MVP level guy in the NBA. And I don't think that you can say that about anybody else that is going to be drafted after him in 2023. If you're picking second, you're not a very good franchise. Pick the guy that can change the future of your organization. Point blank, period. That leaves Brandon Miller at number three for Portland. No one has any idea what the Blazers are going to end up doing with this pick. Are they going to trade Dame? Are they going to use the prospect of getting Miller or Scoot to entice another team to send over an all-star caliber sidekick for Damian Lillard? That's unclear, but what I feel comfortable saying is that Brandon Miller is clearly the third best prospect in this draft, and I think it's not really all that close. He's 6'9". He's a terrific shooter off the catch. He can finish above the rim when he gets to the rim. And while there are some real questions about his ability as like an isolation score, uh, whether or not he can ever be more than just a shooter, I think you have to bet on your development system to bring that part of his game along. He's tough. He's a willing defender. He's got size. He's got some switchability upside once he puts on a little bit more strength and muscle maths. Uh, of course, the elephant in the room is the off-the-court stuff that he was involved in in Alabama, but I would suspect that most franchises would be willing to overlook that considering that he has already played half of last season with that hanging over his head. So I will be sending Brandon So we will be sending Brandon Miller to Portland with the number three pick. Picking fourth is the Houston Rockets, and I still think that you want to shoot for upside here if you are Houston. To me, Amen Thompson is the highest upside guy left on the board. He's a 6'7 lead guard that excels in the open floor and is underrated in terms of his ability as a passer and as a playmaker. We're talking a top 1% of the NBA kind of an athlete here in Thompson. Now, there are going to be questions about the level of play that he faced in overtime elite. Remember, he turned 20 in January, and he spent the last couple of years playing against a lot of high school kids. There are also going to be questions about his shooting, which is justified. But with Jalen Green and Alperen Shangoon and Jabari Smith, there's suddenly a really interesting core there when you add a men Thompson to the mix. Speaking of Houston, pick number five is a product of the Cougars program. Freshman Jarris Walker, a six foot eight big body four man that has all the makings of a great team player at the NBA level. He doesn't turn 20 until September, but he already has the frame and the athleticism of a grizzled NFL veteran. He's big enough to guard fives, and with time, he will likely be quick enough to switch down if you want to use him there. And if you believe in the jumper, he hit threes at a 35% clip as a freshman. There's upside on that end of the floor as well. It feels weird to say this, 
about a team that only won 17 games last season. But I do think that Detroit needs these connective pieces. I think that they have the foundation, these stars that you want in Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey and a whole bunch of former five-star five men. Walker, to me, is the best available player that can slide in that connective tissue role. And I think that he'll be the pick at number five for the Detroit Pistons. Pick number six, the Orlando Magic. We went with Taylor Hendricks from UCF, one of the biggest surprises of the 2022 recruiting class. He was a borderline top 100 guy coming out of high school, a six foot nine foreman that shined playing a role that is at a premium for NBA teams. He's defensively versatile and he shoots the hell out of it. He was a 40% three-point shooter on nearly five attempts per game. He has the length and the athleticism to potentially defend guards at the next level, and he can also act as a rim protector. It's not often that you legitimately find players that have the potential to actually guard ones through fives, but I do think that there is a world where Taylor Hendricks can be that guy. He needs to add some weight to his frame, and I'm not sure he has a ton of upside as an offensive weapon outside of a shooter. I don't know if he's going to be a guy that can create on his own if he's a primary scorer, but he checks a lot of the boxes the Magic are looking for and should fit nicely on a front line with Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner, and Wendell Carter. One of the worst-kept secrets in this draft is that the Pacers need a power forward and they're trying to draft a power forward. And I do think that the two guys that they would be targeting for that role are Jairus Walker and Taylor Hendricks, the two guys that we picked at five and six in this draft. With those two going off the board in front of them, we're going to be sending Cam Whitmore their way to Indianapolis. Whitmore is one of the best athletes in this draft. He is a powerful finisher that excels when he's able to get his shoulders by you and get all the way to the rim. He's one of the few guys outside of the top three in this class that I think has the real potential to be a primary option on a playoff team. It's going to take time for him to get there. He needs to develop his offensive game. He needs to develop the jump shot, but he showed enough flashes as an isolation score that I think that he's going to have a chance to get there. And I, and the most important thing here is he's one of the youngest players in this draft class. He's a full 18 months younger than the Thompson twins. It's going to take time, but I do believe that the payoff is going to be worth it, especially as he comes along the defensive end. He has all the physical tools that you could want. He still needs to be taught things like angles, things like rotations, things like different reads. I think he has a chance to get there, and I think there's a non-zero chance that he could be a guy that could play the four in the NBA, given his size and his physicality. The Wizards are on the clock with the eighth pick, and there's a lot of turnover in their front office this season. It's really hard to project what they'll do based on past precedents. And there's this added layer of everyone's favorite offseason guessing game. Will Brad Beal stay or will Brad Beal go? Will Brad Beal end up in Portland? Will Dame Lillard end up in Washington? Who knows? Whatever it ends up being, I have the Wizards selecting Asar Thompson, who I am lower on than his brother Amen, but who I think has a better chance of getting to his ceiling earlier in his career. Asar strikes me as more of a connective piece than a real potential superstar. He's an athletic playmaker. He's going to do all the switchable stuff that you want defensively. He's a good passer. He's uh, a guy that will fit really well alongside other stars and other really good players in the NBA. He's just one of these role players, one of these big wings that can guard two through four that everybody is looking for. They're at a premium in the NBA. And to me, if Asar hits his ceiling, he will be something in the neighborhood of the Warriors version of Andre Iguodala or the Nuggets version of Aaron Gordon. I think he's that kind of an athlete with a little bit more upside if the shooting continues to improve. 
The ninth pick will go to the Utah Jazz, who are making the first of three picks in this year's first round. And we have them taking Anthony Black here. Look, I love Anthony Black. He is a six foot eight point guard that began his high school career as a blue chip wide receiver. He's a terrific athlete with the kind of physical tools that every NBA GM dreams of. But he's also a point guard that proved himself the best NBA prospect on a team that had as many as five pros last season at Arkansas. He's a terrific point of attack defender. He has passing ability that really popped last year. And if the shooting comes around, Black, to me, is a guy that has all-star upside. I think he can play as a point guard. I think he's able to play off the ball. I think he can guard one through three. I think he can play one through three at a minimum. He is, to me, one of the highest floor prospects in this draft class because of what he could do defensively and his passing. And if the shooting comes along, he's a very high IQ player. I love Anthony Black. I think this is a steal at the ninth pick for the Jazz. Pick number 10 is where things get a little bit spicy in this mock draft. We are going with Derek Lively II of Duke, who was the number one prospect heading into college in the 2022 recruiting class, but he only managed to average five points and five boards. So why do I have him going top 10? His shooting and his shot blocking. Duke's season changed in 2023 when Lively started to figure it out on the defensive side of the floor. He averaged 2.4 blocks in just 20 minutes a game, despite the fact that he started the season really struggling. And while the shooting wasn't there for him as a freshman, I've seen him make enough threes at Peach Jam in workouts that I fully believe that he is going to get there. He is a guy that can make threes. That is going to happen. And with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving on the same roster, there's two things that the, Ma the Mavs are desperately going to need. Somebody that can be a defensive anchor around the bucket, and somebody that can create space with their jump shot. Derek Lively can do both of those things, both of those things. And while it may seem like a little bit of a reach, I think that this is going to work out well. And I think that if the Mavs pick Derek Lively, Dallas fans are going to be very, very happy down the road. Our partner for today's episode is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 during the college basketball season, and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee in the morning guy. But by the time that the afternoon would hit, I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. And man, that could not be more true. It's nearly impossible to eat and drink in a healthy manner in the month of February and the month of March when you are in my business. And AG1 was exactly the supplement that I needed to improve my gut health and cover my nutritional basis for the day. I've continued that into April. I've continued that into May, and I'm going to continue that the rest of the summer. All I have to do is mix a scoop of AG1 with some water or maybe add it into a smoothie and I'm ready to go. Do it after lunch and you'll be ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Magic are back on the clock at number 11, and this is where we will be making the dick pick. Kansas freshman Grady Dick, another shooter to go along with Taylor Hendricks for a team that needs some floor spacing. Dick has the size and the athleticism to be a switchable defender down the road, and while he's mainly known for his ability as a shooter right now, he did really improve as a defensive presence during his freshman season, which... Uh, frankly, isn't really saying all that much because of where he started, but the effort is there. I believe that he cares enough about the defensive side of the ball that he's going to eventually be good on that end. Caring is half of the battle. The Magic need floor spacing, and they will add two guys in this draft lottery that should be able to help space the floor very early in their careers. I don't know if Grady Dick is going to be a Christian Brown kind of an impact as a rookie, but I would not be surprised to see him have that level of impact in year two, maybe in year three, and that's about the point when the Magic are going to be really looking at being a potential playoff team. Oklahoma City are on the clock at 12, and we have the Thunder selecting Wemby's teammate in France, Bilal Koulibaly, who is a terrific athlete at 6'6", that does all the things that you look for out of a wing on the defensive side of the ball and in transition. What's really interesting to me with Koulibaly is that over the course of the last month or two, since the college season has ended, he's played his best basketball with Metropolitan's 92. He needs to get the jumper cleaned up. But they're starting to run some offense through him, and the tape, especially in the last couple of weeks from him, has really started to pop. It looks like he's starting to figure some things out on that end of the floor as a primary initiator. I think it's good. he's he's ended up as the biggest riser in this dreams draft, and I would not be shocked to see him be a guy that went from, you know, being a potential early second round pick to getting picked in the lottery, where we have him at number twelve going to the Thunder. The Raptors are selecting 13th, and we have them taking Kentucky point guard Cason Wallace, who is, for my money, the best defensive weapon in this draft class. Messiah Jury loves taking these long, athletic wings with crazy upside potential, but with Fred Van Vliet's status up in the air, picking a guy that can play on or off the ball, picking a guy that can play in the backcourt, picking a guy that can fit seamlessly alongside Scotty Barnes seems like exactly uh, it seems like a savvy decision, and Wallace is exactly that. He is a fantastic defender. He is one of these guys that is elite on the ball. He has tremendously quick hands, and he is just a smart defensive weapon. You're going to watch him play, and there's going to be times during the game where you say, what the hell is he doing there? How did he end up in this spot making this play, and it's not going to cost them? I love this kid. I love this fit. I love drafting Kentucky one-and-done guards. They always end up paying off. I think in five years, he's going to be somewhere on the 
Patrick Beverly, Marcus Smart, Drew Holiday, Spectrum. And if you can get that with the 13th pick, you are getting a home run. Love, Casey Wallace. At number 14, we have New Orleans selecting Baylor freshman Keontae George, who is probably the best one-on-one bucket getter in this year's draft class. And if there's something that New Orleans lacks, especially in the uh, moments when Zion Williamson is not actually on the floor, it's offensive weapons that can create shots on their own. And that's kind of all Keontae George can do right now. You know, I think he is the biggest boom robust prospect in this draft class. I think he can be another Devin Booker if, and this is the key, it's a pretty big if, the pick and roll passing gets to an elite level. He showed flashes of it at Baylor, but it was hard to tell how much of that was him reading a defense out of a pick and roll and how much of it was him making the right play that was drawn up for him out of those pick and roll actions. There's a difference there. Uh, the shooting efficiency is is going to need an uptick, but I think that that will happen uh, once he gets more reps at the NBA level. And he's got to be a better defender. But if it all comes together, like I said, I think that there is Devin Booker in his range of outcomes. I also think he's a guy, if it doesn't work out, might not be in the league uh, after his first contract. So uh, very much the definition of boom or bust for Keontae George. The first pick outside of the lottery Belongs to the Atlanta Hawks, who are in the unenviable, uh, the unenviable, that's a hard word to say, unenviable position of trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do with Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, and the future of the franchise. There are uh, a number of different ways that they can go here. And the answer really should just be who is the best player on the board? Who do we think has the highest upside of everybody that is left to be drafted? And for me, right now, that's Nick Smith. From Arkansas. He's uh, coming off of a rough season where he dealt with a knee injury. He spent a chunk of time training away from the team in LA during the winter, and he never really found his groove. He struggled enough defensively that he was benched during the NCAA tournament because he couldn't guard and couldn't get stopped. Uh, couldn't get stops. His shooting numbers were not pretty, but he was a top three player coming out of uh, coming out of high school in this recruiting class. He was banged up. And I saw enough of him in high school that I'm willing to buy into the idea that the Nick Smith that we saw in college, in high school in Peach Jam on the recruiting circuit is who he really is and not the guy that couldn't find his footing, that had trouble adjusting to the defensive end, that didn't really have a preseason, that didn't really have an early season, and struggled to pick up on everything that Eric Musselman wanted out of him defensively. I would bet on Nick Smith in this spot at the 15th pick, and I think that he'll end up uh, paying off quite nicely for him as a guy who is 6'4", 6'5", and has all the combo guard tools and abilities that you want out of players that can play in that role in the NBA. At pick number 16, the Jazz will be making their second first-round pick, and we have them going with Chris Murray from Iowa. He's not quite as good as Keegan. He's a little less athletic. He's a little bit less of a shooter, but he's 22 years old. He's a well-rounded offensive piece, and he has the size and athleticism to be the kind of versatile floor-spacing wing that NBA teams love right now. With Anthony Black already in the fold, there are two wing pieces here that I think make perfect sense playing next to Laurie Markkinen and Walker Kessler. The number 17 pick in the draft belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers, and there is one Obvious player left on the board here that I would love to see slotted next to LeBron James. That is UConn's Jordan Hawkins. There is no one in this draft class that is a better shooter than Hawkins. He's part Ray Allen and part Rip Hamilton. And while I think the upside 
is a bit less than either of those guys, given his lack of burst from a standstill. Hawkins has the ability to sprint into catch and shoot threes that nobody else uh, in college this past season had. Imagine if Duncan Robinson was a plus defender that also had the ability to come off of a curl, turn a corner, and dunk on your head. A creative coach is going to turn Jordan Hawkins into an absolute weapon. And at minimum, he's a 3 and D guy that can create space in that lineup for LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Drafting at 18 is the team that is currently playing in the NBA Finals, the Miami Heat. And I couldn't love the fit for Jalen hood Shafino in South Beach more. He's a tough competitor that has the kind of backcourt size that Miami currently lacks. At Indiana last season, he thrived in pick and rolls. He's a killer in the mid-range, and I'm buying his shooting long-term from the perimeter and from three. Six-foot-six playmakers that compete defensively, that can create some offense on their own, make a lot of sense for a Miami team that finished in the bottom 20 25% of the league in offensive efficiency during the regular season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I will say the guy that we are sending to Golden State for the 19th pick probably won't be on the board when Golden State is picking. But that said, this is where we are right now in this mock draft. And Kobe Bufkin is the answer for the Warriors, who are going to have some decisions to make along the perimeter uh, during the summer. Bufkin is one of the most intriguing prospects in this draft class for a number of reasons. One, he's a sophomore that is younger than a lot of the one and dones in this class. And two, He was the go-to guy for Michigan down the stretch last season, despite the fact that he played alongside Hunter Dickinson and Jed Howard. He averaged 17 points, six boards, four assists on 50-40-90 shooting splits over the last 12 games of Michigan's season. He makes threes. He is effective in the mid-range. He has good size. He can pass. He's as well-rounded as any guard in this draft class, and he is a week younger than freshman teammate Jed Howard. This would be a coup for the Warriors who seem to like betting on guys that are young for their age. And that is what Kobe Bufkin is. He's a terrific player. Great value at the 19th pick. The Rockets second pick of the first round is the 20th pick of this draft. And they are selecting Ohio State's Bryce Sensabaugh, who is one of the best and most efficient scorers in this draft class. I mean, he is really just a terrific shooter, both from three and in the mid range. And he has the physical tools to be able to finish above the rim when he gets by uh, a defender. At 6'6", 240, he looks like a guy that got lost going to football practice and ended up in a gym somewhere, but he is really, really skilled. The key for Bryce is going to be the defensive side of the ball. He is kind of clueless there right now, but he has the tools to be an impact, switchable guy once he's coached up and once he learns how to do it. Picking him here means you're betting on your coaching staff, being able to teach him how to play defense. And I would take that bet because he's a really nice fit on a Rockets roster that already is adding a men Thompson to it. The Nets have the 21st and 22nd picks in this year's draft. And at 21, we're going to send them 
Leonard Miller, a six foot ten forward with a seven foot two wingspan, that is one of the more intriguing athletes in this class. Uh, he went through the draft process last year, but he ended up opting for the G League Ignite program instead of staying in the draft. He was sensational over the last month and a half uh, against G League competition. He kind of figured the G League out. And he's proven to be a capable shooter with fluid mobility that is a very good finisher around the basket. And he can really, really guard. I do believe that there is upside here in the Pascal Siakam kind of a vein. And since the Nets need to hunt for stars, I do think that Miller makes a lot of sense for him. You got to shoot for the moon if you're the Nets right now. You don't have that go-to guy. And speaking of not having that go-to guy, they need points. They need scores. So we also have them drafting Michigan's Jet Howard here at 22nd. He has a six foot eight wing that is just a terrific catch and shoot guy. But that's pretty much all he is at this point in his development. He's not a defender. He's not all that athletic. He can't really guard in space. He can't really deal with bigger, more physical people in the post. But man, when he gets hot, he can make five or six tough threes in a row. Michigan ran a lot of NBA actions this past season. So Jet is used to getting the shots that he's going to get in the league. And if you're drafting here, you're betting on his pedigree. His dad is Jawan Howard after all. And if the defense comes around, Brooklyn needs scores. Howard can be that. And if he figures out how to guard, he's going to be a good pro for a while. I really, really like the fit for Noah Clowney at number 23 with the Blazers. Portland has a track record for taking these young guys and letting them develop over time. And Clowney needs that time to develop. He turns 19 in July. But at 6'10", with a seven foot, uh, seven foot three wingspan, he had the kind of year as a freshman that made people take notice. And it was less to do with the production and more to do with the potential that you see watching him on film. He shot under 30% from three, and he looked lost at times defensively, which is an issue for a guy that projects as a 3 and D role player, right? But... The stroke looks good. He is athletic enough to be a rim protector. He can be a vertical spacer. And most importantly, the issues he had defensively appear, at least to me, to be more about needing to learn things like angles and rotations and how to sit in a stance and the proper way to close out more than having the physical skills to be able to do all that stuff down the road. He's 18 years old. Kids that are freshmen in college are not supposed to know everything that they need to know on the defensive end of the floor. You just don't. There's a reason why coaches say the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. So I would be betting on Clowney long-term, and I think Portland is a great place for him to develop. At 24, the Kings are going to be looking for someone that can help them guard. They have a ton of dudes that can get buckets. They don't necessarily have a ton of dudes that are going to get them stops. I think Ryan Rupert has some of the best tools of anybody in this draft. He's 6'7", he's got a 7'3 wingspan, and he's one of these guys that was a point guard growing up that ended up hitting this big old growth spurt, and now he's trying to figure out exactly who he is as a player. He's still trying to figure things out offensively, playing off the ball. That jump shot needs to come along, but as the owner of the New Zealand Breakers told us, uh, Rupert is one of the hardest workers they've ever had in that program. I would be betting on him figuring it out offensively long-term, and if you get guys that have the playmaking ability with those physical tools in that position and the NBA, at the NBA level, that's exactly what you're looking for. Kings taking Rayon at number 24. 
The Grizzlies are on the clock at number 25, and given what they've had to deal with this offseason with their superstar, you'd be hard-pressed to judge them if they struggled to focus on who they want to take with the 25th pick in this draft. That said, I do think that Dariq Whitehead fits the Memphis culture and Memphis organization well. He came into Duke with the reputation for being a tough defender and a well-rounded, playmaking big wing that at 6'6", could guard multiple positions. We never really got to see that because Whitehead was dealing with foot injuries and illnesses. He's already had two surgeries since the time that he enrolled in Duke last June. So the medical team is going to be the guys that actually make this decision for Memphis, I would guess. But I think that Whitehead showed enough this past season to say that he is going to be a very good to elite shooter in the NBA. And if the athleticism comes back after the surgeries to me he has 10-year pro with uh, the upside of being a plus starter at the nba level written all over him it's going to be about the health but if you trust that the surgeries are done properly i think he is incredible value at the 25th pick i mentioned earlier that the pacers are looking for a foreman in this draft and they'll get him here with pick number 26 Gigi jackson the youngest player in this draft class and the youngest player in college basketball last season. He doesn't turn 19 until December. And while he played for a dreadful South Carolina team this past year, he is a guy with a terrific ceiling that I would be buying into in this range of the draft. Jackson didn't arrive at South Carolina until August. He was 17 years old when he got onto campus. Um, He played on a team with about three other SEC caliber players on it. He has the potential to develop into an elite isolation shot creator. His bag is already deep. He's got deep range on his three. He can play off the catch. He can play off the bounce. He can do a lot of the things that you are looking for out of a six foot nine athletic kind of big combo for whatever position you want to call it, a Paul George kind of a piece. The problem is he looks like a guy that has spent his entire life doing workouts in gyms and has yet to kind of figure out how to translate what he does in a in a drill to how to make it work within a team concept. He's not a good passer at all. He doesn't see the floor at all. He's a black hole, and he has tunnel vision when he puts the ball on the floor. Defensively, he's a mess. That I, That's just the simplest way to say it. He's a complete mess. He was also 17 that didn't get a preseason that hasn't learned what it takes to be a defender at that level. I think if you're drafting him 26th, You know that you're getting a guy that is going to be young for the grade that is going to need some time, probably two to three years, I would say, before he's really really ready to contribute at a high level for a playoff caliber team. That said, if it works out, Jackson has the ceiling of being a top five player in this draft class. I think you got to take him here. I I would not be surprised if he ended up getting picked somewhere in the late teens because of that upside. Gigi Jackson. Really interesting pick here for the Pacers at 26th. And with the 27th pick, the Hornets are selecting Jaime Hawkins, who I think is one of the more underrated players in this draft. He's a winner. He's a fighter. He's a guy that will guard twos. He can guard through fours. He can create shots on his own. The jumper needs to be perfected if he's going to be a kind of a catch-and-shoot 3-and-D guy at the NBA level. But I just cannot see this dude being anything other than an NBA rotation guy for years to come because of how he plays, because of the uh, position that he plays, and because of his style, his toughness, his defense. Love Jaime Jaquez. Love the fit for him at 27.
The 28th pick in this year's draft is going to the Jazz. They will be selecting their third player in the first round, and it's going to be Colby Jones from Xavier, a guy that you might as well just call the second coming of Malcolm Brogdon. He does everything well. He was one of two players in college basketball this past season, average 15.6 boards, four assists, while shooting 50% from the floor and 38% from three. He can play on the ball. He can play off the ball. He's six foot six, so he can guard threes. He could probably guard point guards. He knows how to rotate defensively. He's a very good team defender that isn't quite there as an individual defender. He's not the greatest athlete in the world, but he's not going to embarrass you. He's just going to be a good, solid bench guy that can get you 20 minutes a night at the NBA level. And I think that he's probably going to be able to do that from day one. The Jazz drafting him here with Chris Murray, with Anthony Black are adding a lot of really nice pieces to contribute to a team that has a couple of guys that could be foundational pieces moving forward. Love Colby Jones. Love him in Utah. The Pacers will draft for the third time in the first round at number 29, and they will be selecting UConn's Andre Jackson, who is maybe the best athlete in this draft, something close to it. He is a terrific passer with an elite defensive repertoire that is the kind of connective piece that every NBA team is looking for. His basketball IQ, his leadership, those things are completely off the charts. And I don't think it's crazy to say that there are some shades of Draymond Green in his game, maybe prime Andre Iguodala, guys like that, guys that can uh, be heady, IQ defenders that are going to make plays defensively, that are going to be switchable, that are going to move the ball, they're going to make the right reads. The jumper is going to be the swing skill here. If the shot comes around, I think that he is a guy that has some upside as maybe being, um, maybe being a, a you know not like a borderline all star, but a guy that could be like the third best player on a really good team. Um, I think his floor is that he's the fifth starter, first guy off the bench. Four teams that are going to be making the playoffs. He's just a winner. He's a leader. He's a great locker room guy. Love Andre Jackson. And I really do think that if the Pacers get him here, the Pacers will be better for it. And with the final pick of the first round of mock draft 2.0 here on the field of 68, the Los Angeles Clippers are drafting Houston's Marcus Sasser, who just fits with their Clipper DNA so well. He's a six foot one combo guard. He has a six seven wingspan. He spent the last four years playing for a guy in Kelvin Sampson that one demands toughness and demands defense, and two has NBA pedigree of his own. Sasser is an elite shot maker, an elite floor spacer that will be a really nice fit playing in this organization. So that is going to do it for the first round of our 2023 Mock Draft 2.0. So remember, we will be live with an expert's mock draft on June 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Matt Babcock, Sam Vecini, Jeff Goodman, myself, maybe a couple of other special guests will be making a, an appearance and will be, jo will be joining us. But we will be going through every single pick for every single team. So for now, make sure to hit that like button, make sure to hit that subscribe button, make sure to follow us, and we'll see you guys on the next video.